Once again, that time for KRVN Midday. Brandon Bennett's doing the best I can just to direct the ship and keep it afloat. And we're going to bring in everybody from all points of the compass here. Susan Littlefield once again joining us. Bob Brogan, Jason Jorgensen here in studio. And Susan, we're going to be talking about cattle, and then we're going to be talking about cattle. Exactly. It's that time of year. We're going to hear more from Gerald Schreiber, our calf president. He talks about the switch from traditional metal bangs tags to the RFID electronic tags that have some in the industry a little bit concerned. So we'll get more about that coming from Clay. We'll let Jason talk about the midday 1245 segment. And then at 117, Clay steps back in to talk more about the cattle market part two is the selling of box beef to explain some of the big runs we've seen following the Tyson fire. That sounds great. Susan, many thanks for joining us once again. We'll look forward to all of those reports coming up. Sounds good. Jason Jorgensen, your turn, and uh, we're talking about cattle. And then cattle, and in between that, we're talking about John Cook. Yeah, we'll hear from the head coach himself, the second-ranked Nebraska volleyball team. Huskers have been working their way through fall camp. Of course, they have the red-white scrimmage coming up on Saturday. They they hope to sell that out. You know, most most places wouldn't sell out a practice. Not a practice. But, Especially for volleyball. But it's not Nebraska football, and it's not Nebraska volleyball, so there's a good chance that happens. Yeah, I had a chance to talk with him earlier this week. He feels pretty good about things. Uh, they have all of those talented uh, freshmen coming in, and then, as, as he says, four kids still on the team who have national championship rings. Yeah. So uh, it's a... Uh, it's a good time to be a Husker in volleyball. So we'll get the coach's thoughts on that. It's always nice to have him on the program. Also, the uh, Husker football program nailed down another verbal commitment yesterday, running back from the Tulsa area. He's rated as the sixth best prospect in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, he beat out your uh, Missouri Tigers. The Huskers beat out Missouri for his services. But it's just a verbal commitment. But it sounds like uh, he's in. I'll get over it. <laughs> the Husker backfield is packed. Get the thoughts of... Running backs coach Ryan Held. And if you like football, there's uh, half a dozen preseason games tonight. One of them takes place north of the border with the Raiders taking on Green Bay in Winnipeg. That's. I'm not even going to say. You're not excited not, about that? No. It's the Raiders. They don't have a home right now and won't till they go to Vegas. And in the meantime, they're going to be playing in Winnipeg. So are they playing on a 100 yard field or 120 yard that's field? That's a good. I'm. Sh- that's a good point. They probably had to get the old athletic tape out and tape that thing off. Doug Flutie could be the <laughs> offensive coordinator to stretch that extra 20 yards. That might be worth even tuning in to see what they did with the field. <laughs> All that and more coming up. Bob Brogan, stock started off pretty good today and then took a dive and then leveled off, and uh, then they've been kind of off their meds the rest. They're down just a little bit, and they have moved lower. Uh, declines in technology and healthcare companies were offsetting gains in banks and other sectors. Microsoft was off, and also United Healthcare Group was off a little bit. Meanwhile, the European Central Bank has uh, is weighing some stimulus. It's uh, weighing a package of stimulus measures today, and uh, a rocket that's the last of its kind has delivered the newest, most powerful GPS satellite to orbit. For the Air Force, uh, United Launch Alliance's Delta IV medium-class rocket lifted off this morning from Cape Canaveral. Also, uh, shuttle service is going to be added. More shuttle service at uh, Grand Island at the uh, home of the State Fair and uh, to help folks get to the fair. All of that and more coming up on Midday.
When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney, this is why they have the interstate shut down, waters over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Once again, Paul Perkins here to bring us the very latest in the updated ag weather situation. A little bit of light rain coming down just to the south of North Platte and a little bit more coming down around Great Bend, Kansas. Exactly. Uh, most of the rain to the south of I-70 in Kansas towards uh, Great Bend. Some, it looks like an isolated case of some strong thunderstorms that may be producing some half-inch size hills to the northwest of Great Bend. That activity moving off towards the southeast. Also, a little bit of light rain, Hill City to Wakini. And maybe just some sprinkles left of some rain this morning that started over western areas of Nebraska and northeast Colorado. That's now moved to about the North Platte and Lexington area down to Curtis and Cambridge. Probably the best chance of seeing any of this rain making it to the ground is just in between Eustis and Cambridge right now. But otherwise, kind of a cloudy and dreary day, but looks like we do have some clearing off towards the west, but probably not going to make it too far to the east for today. You mentioned hail earlier, and I, I made this comment a couple of weeks ago on the air just flippantly, but... Obviously, we need rain. Uh-huh. We kind of sort of need lightning for the nitrogen and whatnot. There's absolutely no benefit whatsoever to hail. Oh, no, never has. Nope. It doesn't do anything good, and then it only results in damage. So if there's somebody out there that can prove me wrong, I'll take the phone <laughs> call. Give me one. But I'm just, there's no benefit out there whatsoever for hail, and it's just about the worst thing that can happen to yeah, you. And I'm sure you have yeah, plenty of people to agree with that one. That yeah. was for sure. Right now we do have temperatures in the upper 60s to low 70s. Some warmer temperatures in the mid-70s where they're getting some sunshine over the southwestern part of the Nebraska Panhandle. For our area, easterly winds off some high pressure that's running up against the front to the west. We'll keep our skies mainly cloudy for today. We're seeing those sunny skies over southwestern areas of the Panhandle thanks to that front being just a little bit into western areas of Nebraska. Our temperatures today slightly cooler than normal. Most of the day expected to be on the dry side, but we will see an increase in moisture. That will lead to some thunderstorms developing late today and tonight across the high plains and tracking towards the east. Our forecast remains active with mostly below normal temperatures for tomorrow through the middle of next week. Thunderstorm chances increase for tomorrow night into Saturday as the disturbance moves in from the west. Sunday will be our warmest day with highs in the 80s ahead of the next cold front. That front bringing another chance of some thunderstorms for Sunday into Monday and a cool down. That cool down also bringing in a a, toast, a dose of some drier air as high pressure builds in behind that front. Some scattered thunderstorm chances will persist through the early part of next week all the way through Wednesday, but there will be more dry periods than wet after that front passes through. In the long-term forecast, temperatures are likely to be cooler than normal for Tuesday through the first four days of September for Nebraska and Kansas, so looking pretty cool if you're headed to the Nebraska State there. Above normal rainfall is likely for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 4th, a higher chance of rain during the middle part of next week. 
Last week, the National Weather Service predicted near-normal temperatures for the month of September for nearly all of the plains and Midwest, including right here in Nebraska and Kansas, in a slightly different outlook for September. Rice Anderson with DTN and the Progressive Farmer, they predict near-normal to above-normal temperatures next month, which will favor late-maturing crops. In the latest regional drop monitor, Nebraska dropped a percentage point to 98% drought-free. Abnormal dryness continues in areas around West Point, Takema, and Pender. Kansas continues to be 75% drought-free. Abnormal dryness with a little moderate drought is found in south-central Kansas from Dighton to Lyons, south to the Oklahoma border. Key weather factors in the markets include additional rain for the Midwest and very cool weather for the entire central U.S. Cold fronts will have some success in suppressing heat and humidity across the central and eastern U.S. The southern plains will experience only a temporary reprieve before excessively hot weather returns late in the weekend. Five-day rain totals could reach 1 to 3 inches in the upper Midwest, central Gulf Coast, and from the central plains to the middle and southern Atlantic coast. For the Midwest, the rain will offer some crop moisture improvement below to much below normal temperatures, though the next week to 10 days will continue to delay crop development for much of the Midwest. The Northern Plains crop areas will have below to much below normal temperatures along with periods of rain the next five days. That rain further slowing the spring wheat harvest. Crop progress in the Northern Plains right now at least two weeks behind the normal pace. And, of course, Paul, where can people go to find the very latest updated ag information? Check it at krvn.com. RFID tags replacing the traditional metal bangs tags, and one cattleman's group has a few concerns with it. I'm Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. In a recent conversation with RCAF President Gerald Schreiber, I asked the question of what concerns were coming down the road for cattlemen. Schreiber replied with the possibility of switching from the traditional metal bangs tags to RFID electronic tags. Schreiber details why he has concerns with the technology switch. We absolutely do. Uh... Kenny Fox, a producer from Belvedere, South Dakota, has been uh, on this thing from the get-go. And we thought we had this pushed back in 2013, and now it has raised its head again. And it more than raised its head, the USDA is basically telling veterinarians and producers that they will adopt this system by 2023 and that these bang tags won't be available, the metal bang tags in the system that we've used and has been sufficient uh, for I don't know how many years, 30 or 40 years, with the uh, combination of tattoos, the metal bangs tag, and and uh, good large animal veterinarians, uh, and the brand system. We can't forget the brand system, but it's been a good system, and we're getting this push down. Uh, we're not phobic on this issue, but, but we just uh, wonder... We don't think it's gone through the Administrative Procedures Act as to in putting this on producers. The cost will be borne by producers. Uh, no one knows. You know, you hear different uh, figures on what these electronic tags will cost. The readers. It's not just cow-calf operators that are unsure about the switch. Schreiber has heard from several other partners in the beef supply chain that share a similar concern with the RFID tags. The sale barn owners are very... Uh, suspicious of this new program. I mean, a lot of cattle go through barns in Nebraska, South Dakota, Montana, Colorado, and, and uh, you know, that burden on speed of commerce and, and the cost. Uh, we just we just have some real, real doubts about it. So that's one of the areas that RCAP's going to be front and center uh, on a pushback. 
Uh, we're not against progress. You know, this is like BQA. Uh, if you tie those things together, most of us have been practicing BQA practices for over 30 years. And uh, it's now we're getting pushed down from the top that it will be mandated. Uh, you'll be verified, you know, third-party verified. And all these things are taking away individual liberty and and we wonder about uh, sovereignty and property rights. So uh, that's that's a front and center issue, Clay. And I think all producers, all beef producers, should be, you know, g- getting up to speed on this and and uh, participate in the process. Uh, we hope there's a process. Uh, it looks like this is just a top-down thing. So very concerned. At the end of our conversation, Schreiber wanted to leave cattle producers with one resounding message: We're all good producers. Uh, raising our cattle and putting up our hay and running our ranches. We're, we're stewards of our land. Uh, there's a lot of threats against us right now, and I'd, I'd encourage everyone to, production's important, but uh, get involved in your local associations and, and try to educate yourself. And, you know, there's things we can do, and, and RCAF is, is an option. Some people haven't considered it. We're the newest organization. You know, we're only 20 years old, but... Uh, we have a lot of good people. We have an excellent CEO, and we are working to improve profitability and competition uh, for all uh, producers in this land. So let's let's get involved is what I'd leave you with. Again, Gerald Schreiber, RCAF president, joining us here on the Rural Radio Network. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors, the Nebraska Corn Board, Nebraska Land National Bank, and the Nebraska Soybean Board, powering our ag news travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story. Time for one more check of your midday sports headlines, and to do it, here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Well, there appears to be another recruit in the fold for Nebraska football. Star running back Sevion Morrison from the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, verbally committed to the Huskers last night. The six foot, one hundred and ninety six pounder picked Nebraska over a final group that included the likes of Arkansas, Baylor, and Missouri. Morrison is considered to be a strong three star recruit and ranked as the sixth best prospect in the entire state of Oklahoma. Now, this year, there appears to be plenty of depth and competition in that Husker backfield, and running backs coach Ryan Held says he still isn't ready to name a starter. I'm close. Uh, I, we still got practice. We still got stuff we need to do. I mean, we're getting closer. I can tell you the light is definitely at, at the end of the tunnel. But again, you just never know how this thing can work out for different reasons. Held also added he feels he has five different players who are good enough to start for the Big Red. They worked out again this morning. Head coach John Cook and the Nebraska volleyball team continue to fine-tune things as fall camp rolls along. The Huskers begin the season with a red-white scrimmage this Saturday night at 6 at the Devaney Sports Center. This week, Cook spoke with the Rural Radio Network about what he hopes to see this weekend. We're trying to settle on a starting lineup still. So I probably the biggest thing for me in a red-white is having a competitive match. Uh, and then the other thing is seeing how our young players can perform and then also uh, seeing of our older players who, who's ready for prime time uh, because I think that is a very stressful night. Overall, Cook brings back five starters from last year's national runner-up squad, including first-team All-American middle blocker Lauren Stiverens. We'll hear more from Cook later on the show on Midday. 
Hastings College volleyball team got their season off to a tough start, losing their home opener last night to 19th-ranked Corbin, dropping that one in five sets. Concordia, they breezed past York College, winning that one in three. And Hastings College head women's basketball coach Gina Douglas will be taking on additional duties as she's been named assistant athletic director at the school. Well, the Oakland Raiders worldwide tour gets started tonight in Canada, where they'll play a home preseason game against Green Bay in Winnipeg. The Raiders will also play a home game during the regular season in London against Chicago in October. There's a full slate of preseason action tonight with the Giants at Cincinnati, New England hosts Carolina, Washington visits Atlanta, Philadelphia will host Baltimore, and it's Jacksonville at Miami. And the next time the Orioles give up a home run, they'll break the major league record for most allowed in one season. Last place Baltimore shares the mark with the 2016 Cincinnati Reds after serving up number 258 last night to Whit Merrifield in their 8-1 victory over the Royals. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Heavy rainfall through this spring and summer has the Nebraska State Fair making some adjustments for parking. We get more Shaley Peters. As State Fair gets set to kick off for 2019, Executive Director Lori Cox and her team have been busy making alternate plans for parking, which include expanding their shuttle service. We have expanded the number of shuttles. Those shuttles will be able to handle crowd capacities at all locations. The good news about that is that those shuttles will run direct. They won't go to another shuttle stop and pick up. They'll just run direct back and forth. Cox says they're also offering an incentive for those that choose to utilize the shuttles. To thank all of our patrons for taking the shuttle service, we're offering a free admission to the 2020 Nebraska State Fair for every passenger that chooses to ride the shuttle and that admission will be good during our what we call the sandwich days, Monday through Thursday of the 2020 fair. Shuttles will pick up from Walmart, what was previously Shopco, Conestoga Mall, 13th Street and Web Road, Conestoga Mall north of the Old Sears, Sam's Club, Central Community College, and Walmart South. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Among the many things at the State Fair this year, the Nebraska Corn Board Communications Director Curtis Harms talks about the Raising Nebraska exhibit noting that quite a bit of it highlights the production of corn and its importance. There's a combine simulation, so people can really see how the agricultural um, season progresses throughout the year. Um, There's a a know-your-GMO type of display where it's an interactive video game where people can kind of compete to see if they really know their GMOs. Uh, There's a soil display. There's a sustainability display. There's there's all sorts of ways that people can learn more about Nebraska's corn industry and, and as a whole, Nebraska's ag industry collectively. The Raising Nebraska exhibit opens Friday. A woman has testified that her husband warned her not to tell anyone about his role in a July 2018 Omaha robbery and slaying. The Omaha World Herald reports that Vanessa Figures said in an Omaha courtroom Wednesday that Philip Figures had told her about what happened and a few days later threatened to kill her. 39-year-old Phillips Figure is charged with a first-degree murder and two related crimes in the killing of 57-year-old Frederick Green. Prosecutors say another man with Figures actually shot Green, but there isn't enough evidence to charge him. Figures' attorney tried to stop Figures' now former wife from testifying, citing spousal privilege. But Nebraska law says that privilege can't be invoked in cases of confessions to violent crimes. 
She testified for six hours about what he had told her. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Lair. Hi, I'm Dewey Nelson, and we moved our South Pacific trip with Colette Guided Touring to January 21st of 2020. Explore the Great Barrier Reef, visit the glacial fjords on New Zealand's South Island, cruise Sydney Harbor, meet Australia's wildlife up close, and discover the wonders of Aboriginal culture. To learn more, visit krvn.com or call 800-581-8942. Again, 800-581-8942. It's why they travel, Colette. Jason Jorgensen on the Rural Radio Network. Husker Volleyball team will hold this big red-white scrimmage this Saturday night. And preseason camp continues. This week I had a chance to talk to head coach John Cook. And he talks about how fall camp has progressed. Well, the, the, the biggest boost in the preseason is the fact that we, even though we have five freshmen, uh, and we, we, we were able to kind of hit the ground running uh, with practice, uh, whereas last year I was going through my practice notes. I mean, it was like, here's how you put on your socks. Here's how you tie your shoes. Here's how you lining up. Cause, you know, again, we had six freshmen last year. So, uh, we hit the ground running. So we were, you know, probably, you know, advanced a week in our normal training to the drills we were doing, the level we were doing them at, how we were scoring them, the challenge we were putting in front of them. So we were able to kind of hit the ground running because we had all that prep work for China and Japan. And then, of course, we got to play about nine matches over there. So uh, so that gave us a, a really big head start. So uh, you know that part of it. And then I think the other part of it is they all know each other. They're all really close. They're all really, you know, uh, have great relationships off the court. So that is another thing, you know, it's, it's you know, sometimes when you start, like last year, it's like going on a first date, you know, you're just trying to, get to know everybody now you know it's like it's like we've been married for you know a couple of years but he knows everybody and here we go today we're talking with husker volleyball coach john cook they'll have their red white scrimmage this weekend it kind of sounds like coach uh, you know life without michaela fecky you're, you're kind of set up here to to make this go well that's the probably one of the biggest challenges you know and uh, now that michaela's moved on and i've seen how well she's done internationally it just makes let's realize what a great player she was at Nebraska and what she accomplished. And, you know, you don't, you don't, I don't know if you replace her. She's a, you know, once in a decade type uh, player, but we have several players that have the opportunity to step up and replace what Michaela brought to our team. And, and, uh, you know, so we'll do it by committee and uh, we've challenged those guys. and, And I think they're excited for that challenge. Sounds like you have a good mix here. I mean, you have the talented youngsters coming in, but certainly uh, plenty of parts and some key players in the past. Yeah, we, you know, we still have four players that have national championship rings. So we've got that experience and that wisdom that goes with that. So they've been through it. They understand what it takes. So that's where our leadership is coming from. And, and those, those four juniors are doing a great job of leading this group and have all summer. And we gave them a ton of responsibility in Asia. I put a lot of stuff on them about taking care of stuff and making decisions and organizing things, and uh, they they did a really good job. Uh, and then our younger players, uh, because the two of them came here in January, Maddie and Kenzie, so they're kind of already are in veteran mode a little bit. And then the other ones, because they got to go to Asia, just acclimated in really well. So it's uh, uh, it is a young group, but there is some experience. 
and uh, I guess wisdom there and under, uh, an understanding of what it takes. And of course, we still haven't got to the Big Ten yet. That's a whole different ball game. But you know, we, we've got some people that have been through the wars and and can uh, you know help lead this group through that. You mentioned the Creighton match. I think that's kind of cool. You open up with them. Uh, that's going to be a big night for a volleyball in the state of Nebraska. Well, I think it is, and the, you know we moved it to a Friday night because you know we don't have to mess with Husker football, which is the next day. Typically, the first weekend we don't play uh, the same time as football, but the calendar shifted this year. Everything shifted back a week, and so now we're back uh, playing opening weekend just like football is. So we thought decided to move that to Friday night. I think uh, NET is going to televise it, and yeah, it is a big deal for the state. And there'll be a lot of Nebraska kids out there, and and uh, so it's it's good for volleyball. Again, two two top ten programs, you know, going at it uh, opening night. Red white scrimmage this Saturday night. What's the biggest thing you're looking from the team in this one? You know, we're we're trying to settle on a starting lineup still. Uh, so I probably the biggest thing for me in a red white is having a competitive match, uh, and then the other thing is seeing how our young players can perform. And then also uh, seeing of our older players who, who's ready for prime time, uh, because I think that is a very stressful night. I mean, we're already over 7,000 tickets, so there's still some tickets left. You know, it'd be nice to sell it out, and uh, it, it gets us through the jitters of opening weekend in front of Devaney. And, you know, even though everybody says, well, you're at home, there's still a lot of nerves on the first night and also playing at home in front of a big crowd. So that gets us through that, and, and I just I want to see who's who's ready for prime time. All right, that was Husker Volleyball coach John Cook. Nebraska begins the season ranked second in the ABCA National Rankings, right behind Stanford, who edged the Huskers for the National Championship a year ago. Once again, red-white scrimmage on Saturday night in Lincoln. They are hoping for a sellout. That one begins at 6, and then the Huskers will begin the season next week, next Friday night, when they take on Creighton. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Time once again to get into our midday business, welcoming in Bob Brogan. And Bob Brogan, what's the latest you can give us on what stocks are doing right now? The word of the day is mixed. Stocks are seeking direction. They have turned mixed in midday trading on Wall Street after opening higher. Then moving lower, declines in technology and healthcare companies are offsetting gains in banks and other sectors. Microsoft fell one and a half percent, and United Health Group gave up one point seven percent. The European Central Bank is weighing a package of stimulus measures, including an interest rate cut and new bond purchases to counter worries that growth is slowing more than expected. The ECB said in its July twenty fifth policy statement that it was determined to act to raise inflation and was ready to use all its instruments if things don't improve. A written account of the July 25th meeting released today cites discussion that a package of measures would be more effective than any single step. Meanwhile, German Chancellor Angela Merkel suggests uh, says a suggestion she made that a solution to the Brexit dispute be solved in 30 days shouldn't be interpreted as a strict deadline Merkel told reporters during a news conference with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson that it would be better to say one can achieve that by October 31st. A rocket that's the last of its kind has delivered the newest, most powerful GPS satellite to orbit for the Air Force. 
United Launch Alliance's Delta IV medium-class rocket lifted off this morning from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station in Florida. The Delta IV is ending its nearly two-decade run with 29 launches. And at the State Fair, they're adding more shuttle service because of the uh, rain-softened grass parking lots and, uh, you know, just to make it a little bit easier to get to the fair, which is uh, one of the greatest things in the state this time of the year, and that uh, that's about ready to get going tomorrow. Those are some of the stories we're following. That was Bob Brogan bringing us the latest update on our website, krvn.com. You'll find more information as well. Cattle Market Woes, Part 2. I'm Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, we started the conversation with Casey Mabry of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing and finding out his thoughts and possible explanation behind why the cattle market sold off so volatilely following the Tyson plant burning down in Finney County near Holcomb, Kansas. Today, we continue that conversation. And Casey, we start by calling on your experience in the retail beef side of it and why we saw that sharp run-up in choice and select products. And I think, this, again, uh, from a calendar standpoint, where we're at, I mean, beef demand has been exceptional. Our exports have been really, really good. And the other thing is the packers have come in very clean and well-sold, just like the cattle feeders come in clean and well-sold. The choice grade has been dropping here recently. It's kept the choice select spread unseasonably wide. I mean, this is historically wide for this time of year. Normally, we're declining on the choice select spread. We're a couple weeks away from Labor Day. The, the retailer's probably been handling it hand-to-mouth. They've been featuring beef pretty aggressively throughout the summer. And then we have something like this occur. So you got to remember, we're very heavily formulated from a box standpoint of boxes going to the retailer. The main thing that they want to make sure of is that they have beef in their stores. And so if you are one of the beef buyers that was buying meat from Tyson, there was 20,000 carcasses hanging in the cooler that are not going to go into the supply chain that a lot of people aren't talking about. But that, so that causes a little bit of a gap. The few buyers that needed to own boxes for next for this week's ship, they want to make sure that they secure the inventory. If they were very well sold, there's a limited amount of supply right there on the front end of the market. I mean, we've seen this in several different markets, and you cause this really, really short-term accelerated price. And so it was just a few people trying to chase around and make sure that they could secure the volume because the last thing they want to do is have their patrons in their stores or their restaurants come in and not have the product there. Then we do see the bigger kill run. They were a little more aggressive on their Saturday kills, so we actually see this bigger week-to-week type kill run. And now the the futures market is coming back. Uh, Casey, kind of, do you think this will flow back over into cash? Or are we just trying to now just reset? And, and if we could wipe out last week, we just kind of block that one out of memory and we go forward business as usual. Yeah, I think it's going to be. It's going to take how long? You know, how long is it going to take to get everything um, from from a capacity standpoint? I mean, the Packers have got tremendous amount of margin right now. That should give them a lot of incentive to run. It, it, you know, if we get through this time of year, I mean, I'm I, I'm very very thankful that this occurred this late in the summer as it did i mean if we were coming into june and we needed to run you know really really big kills but seasonally we're off we're off the high kills that you see in june and july seasonally you're at the august sept october time period where the kills seasonally come lower margin typically comes lower giving them that margin giving them the incentive to run saturdays they're going to run extra hours on shifts to try to pick up some market share the last thing they want to do is lose customers and so they're going to they're going to all chase around and push as hard as they can this is a very short thing 
If it's weeks instead of months, it, it could be a pretty good, Just rock, we could rock right out of this thing. I don't think it's just a really short blip and we go back higher and everything's okay again. Because, again, we need everything. We need all these plants to run on all cylinders to be able to run Saturdays. I mean, we kill a daily slaughter historically of about 92 to 97,000 a day. On Saturday, we kill about, through the summer, about 55,000 per week, 60,000 per week on Saturday. We're going to need to kill 60,000, 65,000 every week. I'm fairly optimistic that we're going to get through it. I'm not as pessimistic as some people would probably believe that's out there. I think everything's going to be okay. We just got to calm down, take a deep breath, and understand that there's probably some opportunity in this market that we need to take advantage of. Again, we've been talking to Casey Mabry of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Let's review the grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We're going to start off with the gainers today, and that was hard red winter wheat futures and soft red winter. John? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think that the hard red wheat is, is a good, good buy here. I think, you know, maybe the market isn't flashing big demand, but... Um, anytime you can get the secondary co- crop, that KC crop below four bucks, it's been a pretty good level here. You got three months to ride it out. Uh, if you are short the board, and, and I would hold on to those shorts for a while, at least for the next week, and if you're going to cover, cover with July, and then roll back in December and just play that carry. This is your opportunity, really, to start a nice carry trade in both corn and wheat. Um, you know, the market could certainly rally here on weather problems, but um, if it doesn't, you know, you got these big wide spreads that sit here. We're almost I think 25 cents between September and March, and that should give you some ample some ample cushion if you put it in your own bin and then just roll the carry each month. It's not a very sexy trade. You're not going to make a ton of money on it, but it is a certainty if you have the bushels in the bin, you're not going to lose that crop compared to uh, the losing the carry to keep them there. And I think that would be the one thing I'd advise folks this year. Um, you know, if you're going to hold it till the spring and hope for another rally next summer, uh, you know, use those strategies. They're really not that difficult. You've got to. You got to understand what you're doing with them, but when you hold the physical grain, those can be balanced out against the position on the board and let the basis come up. As I think it'll get better here as we get towards the later part of the year. Corn and soybean traders, I'm sure, a little bit nervous before the results come in tonight with the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Does this mean volatility tomorrow? I don't think so. I think we're pretty much stuck here. You know, the market tried to jump. This morning, we saw a really push and then stayed at 374 for about a late second and fell apart. So you've got producers who need to sell. I'm getting a lot of phone calls from people with old crop corn from areas east of you, but it does kind of alarm me that there is bushels that, that need to be priced here, and I would not mix them in with new crop. I think if you have them, you've been holding them this long, I think you, you just dump them here and try to figure out a way to re-own them, especially if you've got bushels uh, that haven't been sold yet. Uh, I don't think the prices are going to get a tremendous jump unless, again, you see the... If we, if we could have gotten the forecast we're getting now, two weeks down the road, I think the market might have something, and that would be what you're hoping out. But at this point, you know, the yield, the Pro Farmer Tour really hasn't done a whole lot of favors for the Bulls. You know, I think they're, they're showing a late crop, but um, other than Illinois, there haven't been any, any real surprises as far as what, what looks worse. Nebraska looks pretty good. Uh, if, I, if I'm bullish anything, it'd be soybeans, but today, you know, mm-hmm. kind of proved me wrong there. Um, again, I wouldn't be bullish for anything for the next week. Look to, look to buy breaks that you're going to get next week, in my opinion. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielZagMarketing.com.